Behind every amazing flavor is an amazing human who has perfected their craft. Welcome to Flavors Unknown. A behind-the-scenes look at new flavors and the chefs, pastry chefs, and bartenders who create them with your host, Emmanuel. Hi there. A bit more than a year ago, I had Chef Sam Freund from White Birch as a guest on the show, and I'm pleased to have it back, this time with another chef from New Jersey, Leah Gachon from Salt and Pine in Morristown. Both of them pivoted their business during the pandemic, and I was very interested to hear about their stories. I am your host, Emmanuel Roche, and you are listening to episode 47 of my podcast, Flavors Unknown. I have been in the food industry for more than 20 years, both in Europe and in the US, and each other week I interview trending chefs, pastry chefs, and bartenders around the country. If you are new to the show, last week my guest was Chris Cosantino, chef, author, and restaurateur based out of San Francisco. You can find the show notes from this episode and all the others' episode on the website flavorsunknown.com and you can follow us as well on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at Flavors Unknown. Leah Gaccione is the chef and owner of South Pine American Eatery in Morristown and Central Maine American Eatery in Madison. She grew up in New Jersey and then she has spent several years in five of Bobby Flay's fine dining restaurants and she also appeared as his sous chef on Iron Chef America three times, and then as a competitor on two episodes of Beat Bobby Flay. Chef Sam Freund has two restaurants, one in Flanders, New Jersey, White Birch Fine Dining, and then Slamwich Scratch Kitchen in Madison, New Jersey. He started his career at 11 Madison Park in Manhattan, and then became the executive sous chef at One Eat by Land, Two Eat by Sea, and he decided to move to Denver, where he stayed there several years before coming back to New Jersey. Let me welcome both chefs to the show. I am super excited to have, in fact, two chefs from uh, New Jersey. We have Leah and we have Sam. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me as well. We are very much interested in understanding what happened after coronavirus hit New Jersey and the way how you pivoted your business. But before we do that, can you talk to us a little bit about your restaurant concepts? Of course. Yeah, I actually have two restaurants. One of them is called South and Pine and the other is called Central and Maine. This concept for both of them is the same. It's seasonal American cuisine. The decor is a little different. And the vibe is a little different in both restaurants. So I would say that that's where it differentiates, but they are two separate menus. So you can always expect something different at both locations. Any, uh, any favorite um, item on the, on the menu? I would say prior to the, um, you know, to COVID-19. Yeah, there's a couple dishes that have been on the menu basically since day one. Our burger is very popular in both locations. In Morristown, we make a homemade bacon aioli and we slather it onto a toasted buttered English muffin. And then we're putting lettuce, tomato, a certified Angus beef patty, house smoked local cheddar cheese, and a farm fried egg right on top. And it's ridiculous. We have chicken and waffles that have just kind of 
gotten an update within the past few months, but those are always super popular. And then our spicy lamb meatballs are a big fan favorite. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I heard about those. (laughs) 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 So, Sam, uh, what about white birch in uh, Flanders? White birch in Flanders. I do have two restaurants, also Slammer Scratch Kitchen. White birch, we focus on a tree farm to table seasonal as well. Uh, We have a garden on premise, so we try to utilize our garden as much as possible. You know, with this change, though, we definitely had to change up some stuff. We planted a lot mm-hmm. of stuff in our garden for our spring and summer menu and uh, cannot wait to utilize that. Also, we try to support as much local farms as we can at White Birch. A lot like Leah, very seasonal. We kind of kept our onion tart mostly has been the original menu. The famous onion tart. I think I I ate that one. Um, I mean, I ate too much of that that onion tart. We've had that a couple <laughs> that's times. A, that's a great, um, yeah, that's a great item on the menu, yeah. I do want to say something about Leah that she didn't say. I can't believe that you're not going to say you're famous for your burger. Are you a two-time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leah won two times the burger challenge. Is it a, what, the burger bash at Madison Square or Meadowlands? Yeah, the burger battle at the Meadowlands, which was supposed to be last. It Actually, I think it was supposed to be this past Saturday. And obviously it's canceled. But yeah, the reason that both of those burgers are on the menus is because I won that competition with those burgers. So thank you, Sam. <laughs> when the pandemic uh, started, so I- I'm curious to know, did you close for a time period just at the beginning? White Birch... We had a regular service on a Sunday. I don't remember the exact date. It was our last service, and then New Jersey went into complete shutdown. Mm-hmm. I was very lucky. I have a sister that works uh, heavily in the food scene of New York City, and she kind of gave me the heads up that New York restaurants will be shutting down and moving to potential takeouts. We implemented a to-go and takeout menu that Saturday before my last service on Sunday. So White Birch really kind of hit the ground run in that following week. And the response from the community really showed me something I've really never seen in my career before, that really everyone kind of came together, and which was really special to try to hold on to as much staff as we possibly could and really keep the restaurant alive. And I think that... uh Without that community support in any restaurant, we potentially might have failed and would have had to shut down and relaunch everything. So, you know, it's up to the chef to make the food, but it's also up to the patrons to really come in and give us a shot, which they really did. What about you, Leah? So that day that Sam is talking about, that was March 15th. That was the Sunday because I had plans for that Tuesday to go by my best friend's house to have St. Patrick's Day dinner with my best friend and my goddaughter. We found out in Morristown that Sunday night that we were going to be going to takeout only beginning the following morning on Monday. And then that afternoon, we found out it was statewide. So I actually had like a mild nervous breakdown (laughs) and um, talked to my partners. I mean, like, Gabrielle Hamilton, that article that she wrote in the New York Times hits really close to home for me because like, it's no joke. You literally 
have a week and all your funds are gone. Like there's no more money. So we had to come up with a game plan to make sure that we were going to be covered. And actually my partner said to close. And so that Tuesday, March 17th, we closed. And then I spoke with my accountant. And after going back and forth for another day with my partners, we decided to reopen on Friday. And I'm really glad we did because it was, you know, just like Sam, we hit the ground running. And I saw something on local Instagram page asking Morristown residents what they wanted or what they needed from businesses in this time. And I was reading the responses and for some reason, like a light bulb went off on the top of my head. And I was like, what if we offered people groceries? And so we started this grocery program called South and Pine Market. We started it two days a week. It was so successful that we actually bumped it up to three days a week. And actually this week is going to be our last week doing that because I think that like the grocery stores have a little better handle on it, but that's kind of how we jumped back into the game with that and takeout. Okay. So it was in fact very, uh, you know, fast. I understand it was probably an emotional, you know, roller coaster for, for both of you, but uh, you reacted pretty fast because it's, you're talking about like a week or not even a week making the decision, you know, to reopen and, and to um, pivot your, your business you know, to uh, deliveries or curbside pickups. So what was like the milestone to make that, uh, you know, the decision and, and how do you implement, implement it? Speaking only for myself, but I'm sure probably every restaurateur can agree. When you put your whole life savings into your business and that could be taken away from you so quickly, you have to be able to think on your feet and you have to be able to make quick decisions and think like, how am I going to make it through this? So I think the milestone that pivot so quickly was like the fear of losing everything. And I was like, we just need to figure it out. And then like this business, it's kind of like everything happens on the fly. So like we just figured it out on the fly. Like we were like, we're going to make it work. The first night we were back was a Friday. I had only one person in the front and one person in the kitchen and myself bouncing back and forth. By 2 p.m., I had to call in another person to work in the kitchen. And then again, by 6 p.m., same day, I had to call one more person in because we couldn't keep up. It was just like insanity. I felt like it was like worse than like a normal Saturday service. It was so busy. Every time we made an error or failed at something, we would fix it very quickly and we wouldn't make the same mistake again. And, and you know, that's what we do. That's this business. Yeah, you know, she, she just nailed it. You don't really have time to think. It's more of a reaction. And it's just like if you, and you got to give it, you got to give it a chance. I think you have to give yourself that opportunity to keep going, but agreed. Like I'm only speaking for myself too. This restaurant is hard enough. Uh, when we were open, like full swing and for this to happen for so many different things to be thrown at us, even now these rules and regulations, we have to adapt on the fly. And and that's that's it. I mean, there's no time to. I think the saddest thing. This isn't my milestone. The saddest thing was to let people go, because you build these relationships, and it's like you can only keep so many people. And it's not like at the end of the day, though, this is a business, and you have to keep striving to perfect your business. And same, you know, I talked to my partner, and he wanted to also close, and I said absolutely not. So that we will be ready to go, we have a menu, and we gotta you have to give yourself the opportunity. And if you don't give yourself the opportunity, I don't know. 
like you never know the outcome. Right. But I mean, we have seen a lot of restaurants that, uh, in fact, decided to close and some, you know, a, a lot of them. And uh, some people made uh, like the same, I would say, thinking, like we are thinking that you guys did. And then they realized that uh, I've heard so many times, you know, chefs telling me that they realized that the math was not there, that in fact, it won't be you know, profitable enough, uh, you know, for them. And they decided not to do the you know, the takeout and delivery. So why, why was it, you know, different for, for the two of you? You know, honestly, every restaurant's their own identity. So, I mean, I can't think of what Lee is going to do or, you know, I mean, my heart broke for so many people who weren't able to do it. And it still does. Some of the great restaurants that I would love to go to are still trying to figure out outside seating. It's not like I don't think anyone wanted to this to happen or to close. I mean, this was pandemic. It's just like it's just sad. And it's like how quick everything came. Again, you just have to react. And some people are able to do it. But honestly, some people just aren't able to do it. And I think if we all could do it, there's no doubt in my mind that any entrepreneur in this rush in this industry wouldn't go for it if they couldn't. And I think some people are actually starting to gear back up, which, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. This is a whole new thing. I, I saw something actually in Morristown today. Leah, correct me if I'm wrong. I think the restaurants are trying to get certain street closing and they didn't pass yep. that or something. Correct. And it's, and it's like, I know Morristown is busy, but you're not giving them the opportunity that you're trying to give them. So it's it's a weird time. And like I said, I, I wish we could all open at the same time and go have these events and celebrate together. But sure. But was it a question of, of safety as well? Because I, you know, I heard or read, you know, a lot of chefs uh, saying the fact that they felt that it was not you know, safe enough, both for uh, their customers as well as their employees. So they, they made the decision to close for a certain period of time. So how did you manage, guys, you know, to cover that part? Yeah, I think that there were certain restaurants that opted out of this because they have families at home or they, you know, have to take care of their parents or for whatever reason, they didn't feel comfortable. I live alone. Actually, I live with my dog, Luna. She's my fur baby. And <laughs> um, <laughs> my staff is mostly like younger, healthy, you know, workers and they all live on their own or live at home with their families. And in my mind, I was like, I have to, like, we have to at least try because if we don't try, we'll never know. And I feel like, you know, I hope that this doesn't come across the wrong way, but I feel like we have a little bit more steam since we were going the whole time. And we didn't just pop back in when we got the PPP loan. 100% agree with that. And again, I don't, I'm not trying to knock anyone either, but I do 100% agree with that statement. I really do. I'm like, listen, it's very scary. I'm not going to lie. We put a sign on the door. We're not allowing anybody to come into the restaurant unless you're making a delivery. I'm not accepting any cash. We're having like, except, and like, by the way, I would say other than the healthcare industry, restaurants are probably the most sanitary place with the most sanitary practices that you could find. So like we already have really good sanitary practices in place and good hygiene in place. And we've just like upped the ante on that. And, you know, listen, we've been open since I think March 19th and nobody has become ill who I've been working with for the past three months. 
yeah, so it's been working. What did you implement? So you you talked a little bit about it. Um, you started, you know, at, at the beginning of the episode here. Can you go into a bit more detail about, you know, how do you then decide what to put on the menu, you know, to structure it? And and, and obviously you started with a menu, but after that, you know, I've seen that you have done as well some, you know, specials, you know, for certain days. You're talking about the markets that you put together, you know, Leah. So can you further develop on the you know, what you, you implemented? Yeah, totally. So we started with a market. We did that two days a week, and then we upped it to three days a week because we had such a high demand for it. When we opened, of course, we opened with a very limited staff. And so I wanted to downsize the menus so that we were, so that it was manageable. You know, before the pandemic hit, we had like eight apps, five salads, 13 entrees and four desserts. And like, we bumped it down to like two salads, three apps, you know, five entrees and one dessert. And little by little over the past three months, we've kind of built that up. I have this other idea that like, I'm kind of testing out with a new section on the menu, which is our grain bowl section. And like, we created basically four grain bowls, you could either do rice or quinoa. And there's different toppings that you can get on them. People love them. They won't stop ordering. I don't think I could take them off the menu now. But it just is proving to me that that little idea that I had could work. So now I'm going to build off of that. And then I also want thought that people wanted a little bit more bang for their buck. So I started doing fryay, which is fried chicken Friday. Now that it's summertime, we change it to a fish fry. We do Sam- Sammy Saturdays that every week we're doing a different sandwich special on Saturdays. And then on Sunday, we're doing our Sunday supper series. And you know, honestly, like, I feel like I'm working harder than I have in a really long time, <laughs> but I'm having a lot of fun. I'm having a lot of fun. It's like fun to like cook something different all the time and not just do what's on the menu and like play and experiment and get feedback from people. Like, I don't know. There's like a certain thrill that comes with it. And then your customers, you know, love it. They're following you into like uh, your approach with your different, uh, you know, special menus and special themes. Yeah, we have like some diehards that like order every Friday or they make sure that they get every Saturday. And like we were on the patio, like trying to figure out how far apart we need to put the tables the other day. And some woman was like, oh, are you that girl who owns South and Pine? And I was like, yeah, and she's like, I love what you're doing. And I was like, oh, man, like that is just you're going to make me cry, lady. Like that's it's nice to see people really engaged and supporting. It's like really moving because ultimately, you know, the success of our businesses is in their hands. And like, people really need to understand that and keep doing what they're doing. Because if they weren't, I don't know if I would still be here today. And what kind of um, of a menu did you put together, Sam, at uh, White Birch? So, you know, obviously, we had a full, not a full walk-in, but a walk-in full of food. So I try to design I went more comfort too. I kind of switched up not everything. I went more comfort and not too when I was used to like the high end stuff, which I haven't done in a long time. And I agree with Leah. I have not worked. I mean, when this all started, we were getting smoked. Like we could not keep up. We were there till like 10 30 at night doing dishes. I'm like, this is crazy. And we only had two of us in the kitchen. Very similar. You know, I wanted to see what people wanted. We got that word comfort and 
don't judge me anyone, but I grew up on like meatloaf, <laughs> and potatoes, stuff like that, and Johnny Johnny Cake. So I was like, you mm. know what? Let me bust out some old stuff and see the response. And I, it was crazy. My location's a little bit different than Leah's. I don't have foot traffic. So I was doing dinners more to feed four to six people. The crazy thing, you know, Leah mentioned fried chicken and we put a fried chicken on. <sighs> the amount of fried chicken <laughs> that people eat is ridiculous. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. The kicker is, though, fried chicken is one of my favorite things in the world. But we've made so much fried chicken. I'm, I'm not going to eat a piece of fried chicken. <laughs> I mean, fried chicken. But you're right, it's comfort. And like, it's fried chicken. So you can't get it wrong. I mean, but again, you know, the support. I mean, that's what it's about. So have you put like a special like menus like the LIA and uh, you know in place like for something? I did I try uh, to I occasion? switched it up every I switched it up every week. You know, I would go authentic and do some Asian influence and I would do Spanish influence. Every week we changed it up and then uh we try to get a response back again to see what people really wanted and what did they want? They wanted the fried chicken. So we brought the fried chicken back a couple times. I didn't want to sit on a lot of food. Because we went through the whole walk in the freezers and everything. But then when, you know, we started getting pretty busy. So we had to come up with new ideas. I had to bring in two more people because we could not handle it. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you still are trying to provide great service, even though there isn't service, but you still want to make sure everything's mm -hmm. on time and stuff like that. And we kind of, the first or the second week, we, we failed at that. And I had, I wanted to bring people in to make sure people still got that experience. So, Leah, back to you. I'm very interested into your, um, you know, special menus. So, so you had your, you know, toned down, like you say, first menu that you put together. So how did you come up with, um, you know, those ideas? What was the source of inspiration, you know, for you to come up with those, you know, special, special menus? I mean, this might sound a little, I don't want this to sound arrogant at all, but it's very rare that like you're going to get your entire meal actually cooked by me. So it was kind of like I was like catering to people's personal dinner parties at their houses. And like the way that I cook at the restaurant is just like how I would cook for myself at dinner. It's, you know, really good quality ingredients, super seasonal. And so whenever I'm inspired, most of the time it starts with what is in season right now. That's where I want to start. So I think like one of the first ones that we did, it was soft shell crab season. Like it was the first week and I was like, we need to give people soft shell crabs. You know what I mean? Like you can't find those at the supermarket. And uh, we sold a ton of them. And I did it with um, beautiful Jersey hothouse tomatoes and white beans that were stewed down with chopped up ramp tops in them. So it was like really just nice and bright and fresh with these sauteed soft shell crabs on top. And That's always where it starts for me. Like what, like for instance, this Sunday, well, what did we do last Sunday? Was it funny that I can't even barely remember this Sunday? Oh, we're I doing, <laughs> I <hear you. laughs> it's terrible. This Sunday, I, I was like, whatever. Father's Day is right around the corner. I haven't done any beef Sunday supper. So I'm doing like a really lovely marinated flank steak. I'm going to do mm. a ton of like seasonal grilled veggies, zucchinis, 
local mushrooms, maybe some grilled potatoes. We'll see what's looking beautiful. And I'm going to do a, a dark chocolate cream pie with toasted marshmallow and homemade graham cracker crust. Okay. Because, you know, summer. Yeah, right? summers. And then all the dads, <laughs> and I know they have to go, uh, you know, ride a bike or run somewhere to lose all the calories. It's all <laughs> about balance, baby. All about balance. <laughs> That's how you have to, you got to keep that chef bod going, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So both of you, uh, you know, uh, work and source like local produce and you work with local farmers. I know that, Sam, you're doing uh, extensively, you know, with, uh, you know, with the menus like prior to the pandemic. So, so how did you continue to work with those local farms that obviously probably suffer, you know, like the impacts of the, um, you know, the pandemic as well? And um, so how do you, were you able to continue to support the local farm during this time? Absolutely. So I am definitely going to give a shout out to Let It Grow Farms uh, right in Chester. So I work directly with Morgan Hess and every year for the last two years, I go right up to his farm. We go over the seed catalogs. I actually asked him last year if, you, if he could give me a section of his farm. And we could grow some specialty items um, mm. for this year. So he was on board, which was awesome. He put up all these new greenhouses. And I'm trying to plan for the fall a dinner at his farm. But what's really cool mm. is, uh, yeah, what he did for me this year was he started everything by seed. And then we transported it into my garden together. And the sad thing about this year from last year is that that was a part of your training at White Birch. So we had to do it all ourselves, which is fine because I love doing stuff like that. But um, Let It Grow Farms, I also I work directly with Ort Farms as well. And, you know, the, listen, the farmers didn't stop. They are in full swing still. We just did, I think, 10 pounds just for my family. Strawberry picking the other day. I brought some in to work today to mess around with some stuff for the new menu. So, I mean, you know, the farms are starting to pick back up. It's start, you can start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. As everyone says, without farmers, chefs don't have much. So we have to sure. try to support them as much as possible still. But, you know, for the farmers that are working, you know, a lot with the chefs and supplying them, then they were hit very hard because there was no more restaurants around. So, so that's why it was a little bit, um, you know, asking and figuring out what was the situation with the, you know, the farmers that you're working with. And, and what's the situation for you, Leah? So on your, like the market that you have, it's, it's um, you know, like the produce are coming from local markets as well? Yeah, coming from local farms, I actually do mm -hmm. a lot of business with Oliver Gubenko from Harvest Drop. Um, he's a really good friend of mine, and he started his business at the same time I opened my first restaurant, which is actually really funny because he used to come in and try to get my business, and my staff would like, <laughs> they would like hold him at the door and be like, who are you? You're here to see Leah? No, you don't want to talk to her today. She just worked for the past 60 days. And so <laughs> eventually... <laughs> Eventually, he brought me some mushrooms and I was like, these mushrooms are gorgeous. And I only ordered mushrooms from him. And then little by little, it was more, it was eggs, it was chicken, it was the tomatoes. And 
I get a ton of stuff from him now. So he provided us with some really beautiful produce and proteins from local farms for our marketplace. And I'm really proud to work with him because we have a great relationship and he has great relationships with the farmers. So I went on like a little tour with him once up to um, Rolling Hills Farms and we did another dinner at Ironbound Farms and used some of the produce that they had on their farm. So it's, it's, yeah, I think it's really important to support small and support local. How did you manage to stay in contact, you know, with your customers during the, the pandemic? Because both of you, I thought it was very interesting. You said something, you know, at the beginning when talking about you, what you wanted to put together and you were kind of like reaching out to the customer, listening to feedback, understanding what they wanted. So, so how did you keep that contact? Well, you know, obviously social media, you know, Instagram, Facebook, our uh, websites. I'm a very emotional person. So anytime I try to speak publicly, for some reason I get like upset or but out of like joy where Liam will post a video every day. And I, I can't do that because I, for some odd reason, like I get, I get so built up with the emotion. And I, I'm trying to work on that. But also when we were, when anybody were like, pick up our orders, I would make sure I'd be out there waving, thanking everybody. We had so many repeat customers. I'm trying to figure out something to do for our repeat customers throughout the last three months whether I give them like a, a nice white birch apron or just something of that sort, just to give back to them because they've given so much to us. And you have to engage. You, ha you have to constantly engage in, in some type of way. And my way was pictures, email blasts, and like social media. I did put out one video, but like I had, it built me up. I had like two glasses of wine. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> So it's like this whole thing. That's so, that's so funny. Oh, it's that. crazy because you know why I'm the type of guy in the kitchen that will dance, sing in front of anybody. But when it becomes something personal to me, when I like my career that I've given my all to, the the yeah, emotion just comes out very emotional. Yeah, and I can't yeah. help it. Every even like my one year anniversary at Whitebird, I'm talking full blown crying in front of people. And it's both of you have like, you have Italian blood, you know, so <laughs> you Dude, go. Half Italian, that's right. <laughs> exactly. So just, you know, social media is huge. That's what I based all my stuff on. What about you, Leah? Yeah, I would say, you know, I think that I already knew that social media was a powerful marketer, but like this, now that we're like so heavily involved with using social media to promote what we're doing, like, It is mind blowing how powerful it really is for one of the Sammy Saturday. It really is. Right. And like, it's cool now too, that you can like put up questions and ask people things like we were like, what do you guys want for Sunday supper? And people responded, you know, and we pulled some inspiration from that. But like, it's nuts that we posted this picture of a soft shell crab sandwich and like, The next day we sold 70 sandwiches and we were 86 by five o'clock. Like to me, that's mind blowing. Like 70 sandwiches by from 12 p.m. to five. Like it was just, I was just like, what is happening? But that's just, it shows you, you know, that you really can reach a lot of people very quickly. And 
like if I see something good on Instagram, some good food, I'm like, damn, I'm going to get in my car and drive to Brooklyn because I need that ice cream in my life right now. So <laughs> <laughs> like I, I get it. I know. I was one, I was one of those people that called for the soft shell crab. They were 86. No, really? <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding. Oh my God. <laughs> I felt bad. People, some people were upset. You know, some people were upset. Well, they are upset, but they have to think of it like, listen, this is a great thing for us. I saw that picture she's talking about and mm-hmm. I thought, too, like, what a great idea. <laughs> I'm curious, what dishes bring you comfort? Maybe we can start with you, uh, Leah. What dishes bring me comfort? Oh, yeah. my goodness. Well, I would agree. Fried chicken, I think, is a good one. Mac and cheese or pasta. If I'm like having a day and I need something to make me feel better, it's always like some type of pasta, which actually I don't I don't have any pasta on the menu right now. We do have mac and cheese on the menu. But I always feel like, you know, comfort food to me is always like extremely indulgent. So I try to not dive too much into that because like I said, the chef bot is very important. We need to kind of maintain what we got going on. Another thing for me that's comfort food is like, it sounds so terrible, but like I grew up eating those packet ramen noodles. Like I love those. If I feel sick now, if I feel like I'm getting a cold, I'll stop at 7-Eleven and get one of those. And I feel like it just makes me feel better. I don't, I mean, I grew up in a, my mom was a single mom. She had to work a couple jobs at a time to keep my brother and I you know, taken care of. And so we, we really didn't have, like, we didn't get to enjoy the finer things when we were younger. Mm -hmm. It was, Mm -hmm. you know, more eating on a budget. And so like Kraft Mac and cheese is another one of my favorite things in life, which is Mm -hmm. probably a terrible thing to say as a chef, but I just love it so much. (laughs) The blue box. It's the best. It's the best. Mm -hmm. Now I eat Annie's because it's like, you know, are organic, sure. <laughs> no yellow organic. number five, but <laughs> exactly. But um, <laughs> every funny. once in a while, you have to treat yourself to something like that. Uh-huh. What about you, Sam? What dishes bring you comfort? As a fellow Italian, there's nothing wrong with a beautiful spaghetti and meatball. That's probably one of my most comforting. Also fried chicken. But, you know, the one thing um, that actually brings me joy on a daily basis and really brings me home is you cook this food this high-end food all the time it's just like it's hard to eat it all the time too so i have delis or core containers and i will fill up a whole thing of cereal and whole milk i mean there's nothing to me better than a huge massive bowl of cereal and i'm talking me personally i could eat a whole box in one sitting and i've done it just of times so my whole thing is I don't eat the sugar stuff. I'm a big uh, raisin bran cluster. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> and okay. I love that. I learned tomatoes. something about you today. <laughs> I love that. Like and cereal. maybe the two of you should uh, get together because uh, you're talking about spaghetti meatballs. So maybe we can put uh, Leah's like uh, lamb uh, meatballs into your uh, in your dish. Yeah. <laughs> Sam. I love <laughs> I love a collabo. Let's do it. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, too, I, I mentioned er, I mentioned earlier too. I I grew up on this thing called Johnny Cake. 
Mm-hmm. All it is is like cornbread. We literally ate it seven nights a week. I'm not kidding. So cornbread too. I love cornbread. Okay. Do you make that in the restaurant, Sam? We made it through. We made this uh, for like the three months. We, we served it with the ribs, the fried chicken. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the uh, that barbecue theme that we did. But you know, you amp it up, right? We had ramps this spring, so we did a ramp cornbread. But yeah, there's nothing more comforting than just uh, just getting meat into a bowl of cereal. So, did you change like your um, you think your cooking style, or do you think that the um, situation changed a little bit your craft? Looking back to those, you know, few months. Absolutely not for me. I think that. I'm going to be 36 year old, 36 years old. So, I mean, this is my way. So you have to continue doing what you're doing and challenging yourself. I still, I still think that that's very important, but I think I don't want to sound like repeating myself, but I think you want to make that people feel comfort. So to adjust your high end cooking to, I hate to even say like a lower end cooking, uh, but not as fooey. I think that that to me, was important because I don't think I would have got away with selling duck breast for a whole week. I just don't. Not in my sure. area where I'm. But do you think you are going to you are going to keep that dichotomy of uh, like the menu high end and lower end after when things are whatever back to I have no idea what will be the new norm. But <laughs> and um, and would you keep as well this um, you know business model of doing like uh, takeout? And people, um, you know, picking up the food at your restaurant, or you think that's uh, they will uh, go away? I mean, White Birch is going to continue to do takeout when we open for the public. I think that we open up a whole new concept. Actually, I think whoever did stay open opened up a whole new concept. I think a lot mm-hmm. of people could call in and do takeout off the regular menu. But what we're going to do is have a regular menu, and every other week do a little takeout menu, probably do some cross utilization off the regular menu. So don't want to bring in a lot of product. I don't think it changed me personally. I think it's just adapting to the time. What about you, Leah? Are you going to maintain some of the things that you put in place, you know, when uh, things are going to go back to the new norm? Yeah, I think I would like to try to keep some of these new things that we have implemented, like a hundred percent the grain bowls have to stay on in both locations. And then I don't think with us being open for regular service that I'll be able to continue the family style Friday dinner. But I think for the Sunday one, we will be able to. So I plan on keeping that going. Yeah. And I think for me too, in Madison at my second restaurant, I think that we're using this as like a hard reset and. We put a lot of sandwiches on the menu there instead of local scallops for $36. Now you can get a really banging shrimp po'boy for like, I don't know how much it is, 16 bucks maybe. And, you know, people really enjoy that. So I think we're going to, I don't want to say downplay it because it's all still the same ingredients, but we're going to pick some more affordable items for people to enjoy. Actually... With White Birch, agree. We're still going to be locally sourced, a farm to table, but I will not be doing the high end, as much high end stuff either. Uh, I think, you know, we're going to be kind of go towards more like bistro ish. And again, more, more approachable, more affordable for people to get them back into the swing of going out. And then maybe 
we'll see what happens in the fall. Do you think that anything positive will come out of, uh, you know, this uh, situation of the pandemic when it comes to your business, I mean, or the industry? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, I think that if we can make it through this, we can make it through anything. I think one thing that I've realized is that it's pretty incredible when you think, you know, everybody, you're kind of fed this idea your whole life. More is better. Bigger is better. You know, keep expanding, keep multiplying. Like, you know what? No, like you can still be successful running a business with a couple people and maybe doing 30 dinners a night instead of 250 dinners a night. And I think it was a real eye opener for me that like, you know, I was talking to another friend of mine who has a paper company who I use for ordering and I've been working with him for probably like 15 years. And it's funny because we were both like, we got rid of so much staff and, you know, we're still running a successful business. Like, obviously we have to pick up a little bit more slack. And he said, same for me. He goes, I got rid of all these different people in financing and accounting offices. And he said, (laughs) his lawyer said to him or his, his actual accountant said to him, you know what? You got fat and lazy because he runs such (laughs) a well-off business that he hired a bunch of people to do all his work for him. And it just goes to show you, you can still get it all done with less people. You know, I think that that's maybe a positive way to look at it. And I think like, uh, you know, I think every day it's real. like the most important thing that I can do every single day is, and don't get me wrong, some days it's hard. And some days, unfortunately, I can't because, you know, this is extremely challenging, probably the hardest thing that I've ever had to go through in my professional career, if not my life. I, I always start each day with being grateful, with coming from a place of positivity, with being thankful for what I have, not coming from a place of lack. And I think like if you have that mentality in life, it's going to get you so much farther than being a Debbie Downer all the time and complaining about everything. So I think that just like reinforces my practice of gratitude. That's ironic because she just nailed it. Leah, I could not agree with you more. It's like we have such a good staff, but I minimize it tremendously. And you can do so much with such a little staff and still provide great food and service. And, you know, it's unfortunate some people won't be coming back. But as I said in the beginning of this, this is a business and we want to survive. You know, another thing too is, you know, everyone, at, I always say this thing with gratitude and everything. Someone always asks me, how are, how are you today? I always say, well, I woke up today, so I'm in a good mood. You know, so it's like, I woke up today, I'm in a good mood. So I think that's how you have to really, because you don't know what's going to be thrown at you. I mean, look what we, like we all just went through the last three months. We all know that this is going to get this crazy. No. But I think, too, we have this second opportunity to really recreate what we all started. And I think that, to me, is, is, is a blessing, that we have that opportunity again. So before we go into, like, the final part, you know, of the episode, which is, you know, the rapid fire questions, I always ask a question from the chef to uh, come up with a suggestion how a home cook and can prepare, you know, a specific dish at home 
And then, um, so the three of us, we talked about like the burger or a slider. And uh, that's the season at the moment, obviously, and people are grilling. So how can you, uh, maybe we start with you, Sam. How would you suggest a home cook to make like a burger at home, but with a, maybe a, you know, a Sam twist, like a Sam style of burger? Ooh, well, I like to cook a burger at home. I like to have a nice burger, uh, heavy seasoning on one side and sear it as far as I can on a, like a steak. So it builds that crust. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of seasoning do you put? So I have a little seasoning that I made, and it's uh, uh, ground fennel seed that's toasted, salt, pepper, and dried thyme. Season it like that, and then sear it up. And then I'm very simple. I'm a huge Swiss guy, so I bring in Gruyere cheese. Okay. The French high-end Swiss, and keep it. I simple. know that one. Lettuce. <laughs> Know that one. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's lettuce, tomato. If you can find local lettuce, it's great. Heirloom uh-huh. tomatoes are coming, especially in New Jersey, which, you know, Jersey tomatoes. Yep. Now, if you were a huge fan of Slamwich, uh, we used to make this red onion jam. It brings this sweet tart no, that's to, nice. uh, to the burgers for balance. Uh-huh. Uh, you could even Google a recipe for red onion jam, but that that's pretty much sums up my burger. And you can't go wrong with a barn potato. And uh, do you put like any, uh, you know, if you don't use the sweet onion jam, do you put any like sauce in there? I do not put ketchup on no? my, personally. This is a personal okay. thing. I am any a mayo. mayo based? Mustard, yeah, mustard mayo. Okay. Okay. Mayo mustard on my burger. Any pickles? Any kind of nope, no things? Like, nope, no pickles. Okay. Those are pickles on the side. Okay. Uh, what about you, Leah? How do you prepare? Do you suggest to prepare a burger with, uh, you know, you go, uh, Leah. Leah style? Now you're going to make me give you all of my secrets. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait for this. <laughs> this is why I had you on the podcast. Just <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally kidding. So just, w- just one secret. It doesn't have to be all your secrets. I worked at a restaurant a long time ago, I was maybe, I don't know, 21, maybe 22. Yeah, and it was, was a restaurant. Year. And <laughs> it, yeah, I know. I'm just, <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's another, that's another, that's another conversation. Anyway, a couple of years ago, <laughs> I worked at this restaurant <laughs> in the city and they had a double cheeseburger on their menu. And mm-hmm. I thought that the burger was really good. And the reason why it was really good was because they, they had um, a vinaigrette that they tossed the lettuce in. And okay. so that kind of always stuck in my mind. So for me, I love to put, to toss the greens in a vinaigrette. I feel like the acid wakes mm-hmm. up the burger because like the beef is so kind of rich and fatty that it, it cuts through it and it also brightens the whole thing up. So I would say that for me is definitely put a vinaigrette on there. Full disclosure, I actually hate mayonnaise it's probably like my worst food fear unless yes unless you are making it in the restaurant so like we make all of our aioli outside so i love like an aioli like in madison on the burger we have a french onion dip aioli it is effing delicious (laughs) it's so good i think an aioli for me and i like a toasted bun and i think it depends like what kind of burger are you having maybe it's on an english muffin that's toasted Maybe mm-hmm. it's on brioche, nice and soft and buttery. 
maybe it's like a really hearty but a uh, burger and you need it on a kaiser roll so that i could like you get a nice little crunch on the outside but it's holding everything on the inside i think it kind of depends what your burger has but i think sam got the most important thing right getting a hard sear on that burger seasoning it liberally and cast iron that little baby get away yes. from the get away yes. from the grill get away yes. from the grill sear that puppy on a plancha and you're you're good to go so that being said i treated myself this year to a three-foot flat top to my house Ooh. oh i kid you not wow the, inside propane out it's outside propane mm. and i kid you not it's unbelievable i recommend wow. every chef get one for their house hibachi wow. breakfast unbelievable I love oh, that. that's great. Okay, cool. Okay, so let's finish with a series of rapid fire questions because you guys have been very patient with me. <laughs> you stayed quite a bit, you know, on the recording here. So are you uh, wine or beer? Wine. Both. Rosé all day right now. Rosé all day. <laughs> rose. I'm drinking rose a rosé right now. <laughs> <laughs> I have rosé in front of me as we speak. If I didn't Very have so good. much last night, I would be having one right now, too. <laughs> <laughs> so because of your, uh, both of you, of your uh, roots, are you pizza or pasta? I'm pizza. Pizza, hands down. Okay. I got to say, I'm going to say pasta. I have to have pasta. Okay. That's a good one, Manuel. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Looking at your current menu, not the one you had before, your current menu that you have, what's your favorite dish on your current menu? I'm going to go with the grilled salmon. We just changed it up. It has like a Korean barbecue glaze and it's over kimchi brown rice. And it has just a really nice fresh cucumber salad on top. And I think it's delicious, nutritious, mm -hmm. satisfying. I love it. Sam? Right now, my favorite thing on the menu will probably this week, I don't have a menu because I'm closed. So last <laughs> yeah, week, okay. I would say... Okay, um, okay, okay. The week before. <laughs> I'm going to go our halibut fish and chips. Ooh. Oh, wow. With, with our uh, jicama slaw with orange uh -huh. zest and orange. And we did these truffle potato wedges. What's the best thing to eat that is deep fried for you guys? Like ever? Yeah, ever. Oh, man. I have my answer. I'm going French fries. Okay. Yeah, I swear to God, I was going to say French fries. <laughs> Flame with scratch kitchen, rosemary okay. French fries. What's the best decision that you have taken during the, the quarantine or the pandemic? Stay open. Okay. Yeah, I would agree. Leah, what's your favorite guilty pleasure food? Oh my God, my favorite guilty pleasure food. Maybe like at the end of the night, a nice couple scoops of Ben and Jerry's. Depending on, it depends what the mood is for the flavor. Which flavor? Cherry Garcia, maybe uh -huh. American Cone, you know, maybe what, what is the one Jimmy Fallon with the chocolate covered potato chips? It oh. depends. It depends. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Sam? I feel like I have too many of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't actually know if this is, I don't know if this is guilty or not, but like I eat. A ton of Taylor ham. I'm a true Jersey guy. Oh my gosh! Why? Yes. I'm really guilty though. I but think my I, salt content. Yeah, I think so. 
Okay, you could have said fried chicken. I mean, you know, because it seems that you eat a lot of fried chicken too. So. He's over oh, you don't fried chicken. Butter. Ah, okay. <laughs> That's a good point. Because honestly, I'm not a I'm not a big sweet guy, and I and okay. I'm just I'm more of like cured meats. Like I said, like oh, mm. any cured meat. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, cheese. Sure. That's probably more oh healthy. yeah, a lot cheese. of cheese. Yeah, a lot for of me that will be uh. That would be a plate of uh, like a cheese board with a nice, uh, well-cooked baguette. That would be my my guilty pleasure. You can leave me alone with this. I'm good. I'm um, salivating right now. <laughs> <laughs> so if I come to your respective house at the moment, I open the fridge. So what condiment do you have? Does kimchi count as so, a condiment? Sure. Yeah. Hell yeah. Could be. yeah. Kimchi. Kimchi. Okay. Kimchi for you. And what about you, Sam? I actually, so I'm obsessed with horseradish. Okay. So I have a homemade horseradish mustard aioli. Oh, that wow. I put on every, everything. Okay. Like Can we put it everything. on the burger? That sounds good for a burger. Definitely yeah, exactly. On a burger. Well, thinking. And probably a couple, I, couple IPAs. So now, last questions. What's your biggest pet peeves in the kitchen? <sighs> Where do I start? Yeah, That's the yeah, last question. Like... You're free after that. <laughs> I hate when people don't answer me. <laughs> oh, my God. I hate when I have to ask the same thing twice. My biggest pet peeve. I think mine is, I don't mind if people are late. But I have a thing, if you're on time, you're late. So mm-hmm. you need to show up five, ten minutes early. At least okay. five, ten minutes. But you sure you you're sure your DNA background is Italian? I think it sounds German to me. Italian <laughs> <laughs> no, and German. Ah, okay. So, but That's like why. I have no call. All you have to, it's communication. Just all you have to do is call. And so many young people these days just think it's okay. Yeah. But it's not okay. Okay. So communication to me really drives me crazy. Okay. Or well, absence of it. Yeah. So both of you, thank you so much for uh, being um, two guests, you know, on the show. Thank you, Sam, for reaching out to Leah, um, you to uh, have her um, joining our discussion. That was, uh, that was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, yeah, guys. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Emmanuel. Oh, honestly, I have such respect for Leah, like beyond what she does, her capability. She is so talented. She's the first person I thought when we, we, we started talking about this. Yeah, only because I always, you know, see her from afar. Yeah, I just thought that she'd be great. Well, the feeling is mutual. I'm so proud of you, Sam. I'm so proud of what you're doing, and I mean, like, look at us, (laughs) exactly, and open and running. I hope you love this episode with the two chefs from New Jersey who pivoted their business right at the beginning of the quarantine. If you did. Please share the podcast Flavors Unknown with a friend or a colleague. It will take you only two minutes. I know I repeat this every week, but this is really important because word of mouth is the best way to add more listeners to the show. You can find the show notes of this episode on the website flavorsunknown.com. Please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Flavors Unknown. In two weeks, my next episode will be a very special one. I am a member of the CMO Club, which is the Chief Marketing Officer Club, 
I was supposed to be at their South by Southwest clubhouse in March in Austin. I should have recorded a live panel discussion with my dear friend, Chef Andre Natera from the Fairmont Hotel. We are going to focus on leadership and more especially on how can managers learn from top chefs about leadership. Make sure to subscribe to the show because you do not want to miss that episode. I see you in two weeks. And until then, remember that people who love to eat are always the best people. Thanks for listening to Flavors Unknown. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave a review. Find the show notes at flavorsunknown.com. And if you want to join the Flavors Unknown community, search Flavors Unknown on Instagram and Twitter.